Hi, I'm Morvan Westfield, and you're listening to Vampires, Witches, and Geeks, a podcast about vampires, modern witches, and geeky stuff. This is episode 24, Interview with Dorothy Morrison, author and witch. This is part two. This episode was originally recorded on August 23, 2009. This episode is a continuation of an interview with Dorothy Morrison, author of over a dozen nonfiction books on paganism and witchcraft, and a novel, Lucinda's Web. It was a lot of fun talking to her, as you probably noticed in the first half of the interview. Hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Now, you grew up in Texas, I believe. Yeah. Now, one of the things about some areas of the South, or actually probably any place that has large, where farming or you're in a rural area, is storytelling is very much, or was very much a way of life. People didn't have televisions. They probably didn't have radio reception very well. At night, you would tell stories. Was that very much a part of your growing up? You know, my mother would read tonight. Uh huh. And I remember being two years old. And my, my parents had this black walnut bed, this antique bed. And I remember thinking that it was the biggest bed in the world. Mm. And, <laughs> and I, would, I would climb up on the little needle point stool. Yeah. And then I would pull myself up on the mattress <laughs> to get in bed with Mama so she would read to me. And she was a magnificent storyteller. Mm-hmm. She, Mama didn't just read to us. She um, actually played out the characters with different voices. And so each one of them had a different dialect. Each one of them had a different voice. And you knew who, who was speaking. And that, it was like going to a play. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you know, that, that was very much part of my life. And I think that, you know, I don't think parents really read to their children anymore. But I know some do, but I wonder if they go to that point of acting it out. But I still, I know a lot of people who say they read to their children. Well, gosh, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but my dad was a storyteller. And, and I think that's probably, you know, when, when I give seminars, I try to entertain my, my audience because I think that if you can entertain your audience, then they're willing to learn something. Right. You know, I like to teach through entertainment. And my dad could weave a tail. And, you know, 99% of it was bull. Mm-hmm. But that didn't matter because it was that ounce of truth that he was trying to, to get across in a point. You know, he could talk about anything and just entertain you forever. And so, yeah, I did grow up like that. And so I think I was very, very fortunate. Right. My father also um, was very much a storyteller, and we loved to listen to him tell stories. And he was from the Appalachians, or as he called them, the Appalachians. Uh-huh. There, he was from a very poor family, and I think he said they didn't get electricity. No, they didn't get running water until he was in high school. I don't know if they ever got electricity before he left home. So they, they entertained themselves by telling stories. Well, yeah. You know, I think that my dad was probably much older than yours. In fact, today would have been his birthday. Oh. Um, but I remember he used to tell us stories around the dinner table. And, you know, after we'd finished dinner, we were having a story, he'd tell stories. And he told about being 11 years old and having saved his money forever because he came from a very poor family, too, mm-hmm. uh, because Harry Houdini was coming to town. Oh. And so he actually um, stole away. He got in trouble for it, but he said it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he stole away and, and, and took his money and went to the Stafford Opera House and saw Harry Houdini perform. How cool is that? That is amazing. Yes, the great Houdini. Yeah, it's these family stories. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think are 
are real important because they're, they're part of our heritage. But of how entertaining and what, what an insight it gives you into your family. Yes. You know, speaking of stories, I remember that a lot of the stories that my father had were either about tragedies, like a great flood that happened, or about people dying. And it occurs to me, that's one thing I think for many years, many of us were very distant from any deaths. You know, even now somebody dies, you bury them in the graveyard, you may visit once a year, but it seemed that back then, people were closer to death and also living in a in a simpler time you know you saw animals die mm-hmm. yeah i you know I, I think so too i think people live longer now and even when when they do hard labor it's not the same kind of hard labor mm-hmm. but so i don't think that we wear our bodies out as quickly right and 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 then again too you know we have medical technology so we don't die you know, of the, of the same types of diseases. Right. Now, now, you know, I know we've got this flu strain that, that's going around, but, you know, my, my grandmother died in a flu epidemic. Oh, right. The one that um, would be around 1918, that one? Yeah. And that was the same, a similar strain, I hear. Well, well yes, except now we do have some things to, to combat. I mean, now we know to wash our hands. Yes. I mean, there, there are simple things you know, that, that, that we can do that they had no idea was going to help anything back then. Right. Did they have any superstitions like, you know, carrying garlic or anything like that that you remember hearing about? I, I, I really don't. Our, our, our domestic help was, was rather interesting in their little superstitions. In fact, I think uh, one of them was probably a tree whisperer. Oh. And, you know, I didn't even think about that until many, many years later. But I can remember Ellen going outside in the backyard when, when she was annoyed about something, mm-hmm. and, and she'd talk to the trees and she'd sing. And the breeze would blow through them. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. And I also remember her at one point in time taking a couple of broom straws. She was mad at somebody in her family. And she took a couple of broom straws out of her broom and she bound them up with a black thread. Ooh. You know, crossed them. And I thought, hmm. I, you know, I, when I was a kid, I thought, well, I don't know what she's doing, but I don't think I want to know. <laughs> and now that I'm older... I know exactly what she was doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, I remember superstition as a child, and I don't know if kids grow up with them anymore. You know, I, I don't know if they, they do or not. I, I do remember my dad saying something about his mother. It, you know, we're asking about that, and I had forgotten. Had had made them at one point uh, wear acetate around their neck. Really? And I thought to myself, uh-huh, you know, because that, that would keep all thickness away. And I thought to myself, you know, that'll keep everybody away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what, you know, people said, too, about garlic, because it's supposed to keep colds away, and they were, you know, say, yeah, garlic will keep just about anybody away. <laughs> oh, yeah, the doctor, too. Yeah. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Only in my food, thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, now, what are you working on now? Well, I am working on multiple projects. One of the things that I'm hoping to have finished next year, which is going to be rather large and may actually be a two-volume set, is The Ultimate Magical Formulary. And it's more than just a book of recipes. It has instructions for almost everything any magical practitioner could, could need, even instructions on putting together their, their grimoire, what, what should go in it. I already did a, a chapter on the BOS, the Book of Shadows, versus the Grimoire, why most people think they have a Book of Shadows, but they don't. A Book of Shadows is a book that is copied by an initiate in a specific tradition. It is a a book written in their own hand, but it's their particular tradition's Book of Shadows. 
it's got all their rituals in it. Sort of like the monks copying a theological work or something. Exactly, exactly. So, so it is a book that is specific to their, their tradition, and only initiates have that. Anything else, even the, the Book of Shadows on Charmed, is simply a grimoire. It is just a collection of rituals and spells and recipes. Someone's personal notebook, so to speak. Exactly. And, you know, I've also d- discussed where the name Book of Shadows came from, because most people don't know that, and uh, which is kind of interesting. D- d- do you know about I that? I think I read somewhere it had to do it with Indian astrology? Yes. Yes, sort of. It was an Indian form of divination. Gerald Gardner had written a novel and had placed an ad for the novel, advertising it, in kind of an underground occult magazine. And when the magazine came out, there was an article adjacent to his ad that was uh, written by a famous Indian palmist. And it had to do with divination by the measurement of someone's shadow. And so the title of the article was Book of Shadows. And Gerald Gardner said to Doreen Valiente, gosh, that's a great name, and I think that's what I'll call this book. And so she laughed afterwards and said, well, he stole it. But, he, you know, he stole the name. But it was a good name then, and it's a good name now, no matter where he got it. <laughs> so, so there are also little tidbits, you know, a lot like that in there, which I think will be interesting to people. There's a medicinal section and a um, health and beauty section and bath and boudoir and and incenses and oils and candle making and soap making and so on and so forth. Oh, that sounds excellent. Well, you know, it, it was a way for me to put my witch back on mm-hmm. and actually work with my herbs and, and, and such. When you're on the road as much as I am, you don't have time to do all that stuff anymore. And with the TSA and the airport things, if you were to dump a bunch of herbs into your bags, they'd be uh, <laughs> calling in the drug enforcement officers. Oh, exactly. So this way, you know, I've had time to experiment and do new, new recipes for incenses and, and oils and so on and so forth. And it's really been a lot of fun, and I think it will be helpful to, to the community at large as well. Now, did I read something on your website that you were doing something, the Whimsical Tarot? Tell me about that. The, the Whimsical Tarot is now back in print. The Whimsical Tarot was a deck that I did for U.S. Games back in 2000, and Mary Hanson Roberts did the artwork. It is based on nursery rhymes and fairy tales, and I did it for kids because if the child recognizes the character from the fairy tale, they know what the card means. And so that it was a great way to teach kids how to, how to read the, the, the tarot. However, I'm also working on a, another project with Sabrina the Inkwitch. It is going to be a tarot deck. Mm. And it's going to be, I, I can't really talk too much about it right now because we, because we haven't contracted for it yet. But it will be, a deck like no other. I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee oh, okay. that. And she does absolutely beautiful, beautiful work. I'm doing research on that, too, because some of the um, characters in this deck will be real people. Mm. So, I, so I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. Any plans for um, more fiction? or? You know, I actually have about the first hundred pages of the, of the sequel to Lucinda's Web Rip. Oh, excellent. But I've kind of put it on the back burner for, for a while while I market Lucinda's Web. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really love to write, but I'm also a businesswoman. Right. And it, and it is my day job. Right. Yes. I remember reading somewhere it said, as a writer, when you finish one book, your primary duty is to start the second 
But publishers, as far as they're concerned, when you publish the first book, your primary duty is to promote that. So it's a very hard balance to strike and to know when you really need to push that first book as opposed to writing the next one. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, years ago, publishers did more for authors in the way of publicity. Mm-hmm. You know, when my first few books came out, I had, had a publicist, you know, at, at, at my publishing house, and they did set up interviews for me and uh, book signings and so on and so forth. Now, that seldom happens, and they guarantee you, I think, one interview after, and this is most publishers, guarantee you one interview within six months after your book comes out, but then they're done. If your book hasn't sold well in six months, you know, they're, they're, they're on to, to something else. They don't stay in print very long. As you've noticed, many of yours are out of print, and oh, even yeah. though there's probably a lot of interest in them. Yeah, and so now I think a lot of the promotion falls on the shoulders of the author. This is true. And this is why, you know, I've been on the road six, seven months out of the year for like, except for this year, <laughs> but, but for like the, the last 10 or 11 years, because, you know, you need to be out there. If you're at the stores, if you're at the festivals, if you're at the fair, you know, w- w- with your book, not only will you sell a book, people will remember you and they, they will buy your, your next one as well. You know, it's not something you can actually put down on a spreadsheet. <laughs> And go, okay, I had to explain that to my husband when we first got married. Can't do a spreadsheet on this. (laughs) No, that's right. Sometimes the events you go to, you learn a lot from other people, which must be true in your case, because you're writing, for instance, you're collecting spells and ideas for grimoires and talking to people about how they do theirs and, you know, what they remember. Yeah. So you're also getting a great chance to do some research when you're out there. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and with book sales, too, if, you know, you may not sell a whole lot of books at a particular event, but that doesn't mean that those people don't go to their bookstore later and buy your book. I do think that, you know, it is a hard balance for authors. Mm-hmm. A lot of authors write on the road, and I wish I could do that. But, you know, after I stand in four-inch heels for 18 <laughs> hours, all I want to do is go to bed when I'm done because in three or four hours, I'm going to have to get up and do it again. Yes. And, I don't mean to sound ungrateful because I'm very grateful, but, you know, I'm too damn old not to get any sleep. So, you know, writer's sleep, I'm going to (laughs) sleep. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, you know, I just came back from a convention. I wanted to be out where I could see people and people I hadn't run into yet. And even though I had my computer with me, I couldn't really write. One time that I could write was one morning I got up early and had breakfast before everyone else and wrote in the restaurant. And that was actually great because someone's bringing you fresh coffee and breakfast and you're just sitting there writing. How cool is that? (laughs) But, you know, it's very rare. I I think you probably find, especially if you travel and you're staying with people, it is hard to write while you're on the road. You know, it, it really is, you know, un- unless you're holed up in a hotel room by, by yourself and you have free time. But, you know, I don't even travel with my laptop. People think that's the funniest thing ever. You know, an author who doesn't travel with a laptop, what are you going to do about your email? I don't want my email when I'm on the road. It can wait. That's right. And you don't want to be distracted and, and uh, you want to pay attention to the people you're with at the time. You know, and I think you owe it to, to those people, you know, that, you know, somebody paid to, to bring you in. And so I, I think that you owe it to them to give them your complete and undivided attention because, after all, they did put meat and potatoes on your table. That's right. So, 
And also, you do a lot of driving tours with um, MR Sellers, who you mentioned before. Yeah. And he's blogged them, and they sound like they're events in themselves. <laughs> but, you know, they, they really and truly are. He is my road husband. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we, we are very, we're both very, very lucky. Our spouses, like us, Mark, my husband, loves MR. MR's wife, Kat, loves me. And so, you know, we are free to travel together, and, that, and that's really good. But, you know, MR takes really good care of me. As much as he likes to blog about me being old and decrepit, <laughs> you know, it's all tongue-in-cheek. He's like my little brother. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very comfortable thing. You know, we can tell each other anything, and, and it's good to have somebody to kind of decompress with after a hard day. Yes, and someone who's in the business who understands, you know, some of the concerns that you're coming up with, like, or that you can rant to about the conference room being too hot and things like that. Oh, oh, exactly. Or just, or just my feet are killing me. Yes. You know, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Or the corners of my mouth hurt from smiling all day. You know, and because, you know, that does happen. Yes. But, um, anyway, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's really great, great to travel with. But he also knows that I'm only good for about 10 days on the road. And so when we did like an 18 day tour last year, because we both had a, a novel released. And so we did a joint release tour and we took my little car. And we drove all over the South. I think by the end of it, we put almost 4,000 miles on it. Wow. And so I had told him, I was, I was setting up the itinerary, and, I, and so I called him and I said, you know, on such and such a day, we need to, we're going to have to get up really early in the morning. And he went, well, you know, it's only so, so many hours. Why? And I said, because that's the 11th day. <laughs> and, and by the 11th day, you're going to be whiny, and that's going to make me mad. <laughs> So I'm going to be cranky, and we're going to both need an hour to pull off on the side of the road at a roadside park and cry, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he laughed, but it was really cute because the morning of the 11th day, we're driving along, and actually he was behind the wheel, and he says, so, are we okay? Do we need to pull over? <laughs> I went, I'm okay. Are you okay? Well, you know, we were, but, but he actually remembered it and he understood it, yes. you know, that, that, that it could happen. Traveling buddies like that are far and few between. So, so well, you know, we have had some adventures and I've, I've introduced the, the little brother to do some interesting things. One of the, the things he was introduced to were the um, New Hampshire liquor stores. Ah, when, when we lived in Maine, we, we discovered that all the liquor stores in New Hampshire, we lived right on the New Hampshire line, but all the liquor stores in New Hampshire, of course, were um, owned by, by the state, and they were tax-free. So whenever I do a driving tour through, through New England, not only do I have our liquor list, I have all of my friends' liquor list. <laughs> And I bring this back. So my husband was handing me all these liquor lists a couple of days before I was scheduled to, to, to leave with MR. And I said, honey, I don't know that I'm going to have room in the car for all this stuff because I've got a little, little bitty convertible. And he said, well, why wouldn't you? And I said, because I'm going to have MR with me and we've got my luggage and his luggage and we're you know, going to have books and so on and so forth. You know, he's going to be bringing books. He said, well, now, if MR gets in the way of, of these liquor lists, you tell him that his stuff is going on the side of 95. <laughs> and if you think you really need to take him with you, you can strap him to the hood of the car, but he's not <laughs> going to get in the way of these liquor lists. So, you know, I laughed and I, and I told MR. But he was just amazed because I actually had an extra suitcase inside a suitcase that was for the liquor. Oh, that's too funny. For people who have never been to one of these, these liquor stores, it's like Walmart, but wall-to-wall liquor. 
that, that's all. It's like, it's like a super Walmart. And, and just to point out to people, it's liquor. If you want beer or wine, you go to the grocery store. Which, exactly. Which is strange. You know, I'm in Massachusetts, next state over, and it's not that way. <laughs> well, no, no. And it's not that way most places. But anyhow, you know, I've got this big shopping cart full of liquor. And so the, I pop the trunk and there are clothes being tossed here and there and I'm, I'm stashing liquor and, 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 and so on and so forth and everything's fine. You know, but his eyes are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, cause this, I'm fitting this stuff in just like a jigsaw puzzle. We get in the car, we get five miles up the road and he says, so Morrison, isn't this illegal? <laughs> And I said, not if you keep your damn mouth shut, it's not, just hush. <laughs> and of course, it wasn't illegal at all. But, but this sparked a, a big conversation about, hey, you know, you know, weren't, weren't some of your relatives bootleggers? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, M.R. writes um, mystery novels, and his protagonist is a detective who is a witch. Now, how did you two meet? All right, listeners, we've got to tell you something funny. I just got Dorothy back on the phone because as we were talking, suddenly I lost my Skype connection, which has never happened to me doing all these interviews. It was getting late and we were almost done. And I said, well, let's wait until tomorrow and I fi- I'll find out where it ended and we'll start from there. Well, don't you know that I asked her the very last words before it cut out was, now, how did you two, that's her and MR Sellers, how did you two meet? And that was it. I say he cursed us. I think he did too. I think he's jealous because I'm, I'm visiting with you and he's not. That's right. You were first. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. You know, and he just, he just hates that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think... Probably what we should do is have him tell you the story. I think you need to interview him. I think you're right because I don't think that we're going to get any further with this, that the universe is not going to allow us. <laughs> so Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. Besides, he tells that story so much better that, that, than I do. It's, it's fun to, to listen about how he groveled at my feet. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd like to say to the audience? Oh, goodness. Um, keep reading books. <laughs> yes, yes. Reading is good for you. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes, indeed. Um, thank you so much for having me on, Marvin. I so appreciate it, and I've had a wonderful time. You're very welcome. I had a great time, too. I hope you have a great tour, and I hope your feet hold out. <laughs> Oh, my feet are going to be fine. <laughs> because my, my feet, just like the rest of me, know that it eventually ends and they can rest. That's true. <laughs> so I do so hope that, that, that you can catch up with me because I'd love to, to see you and visit with you. Thank you. Same here. And you have a good night. You too, hon. Bye-bye. That wraps it up for this episode. You can find the show notes at www vampireswitchesandgeeks.com For more information on Dorothy and her varied projects, visit her website at www.dorothymorrison.com That's Morrison with two R's and only one S. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to hearing from you. You can leave comments at www.vampireswitchesandgeeks.com or at my main website www.morvinwestfield.com Thanks for listening. 
This podcast is copyright 2010 Morbin Westfield, but is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Please see www.vampireswitchesandgeeks.com for details.